Well, it is good to wait, and uh, I do rejoice in just seeing, as Gail waited faithfully, that God <clears throat> answered her prayers as well. I, you know, I look in the audience, and I want to just acknowledge C. Sam Schwetz. Hey, welcome back. Good to see you. Bit. He's been waiting to get out to Southern California, and... Uh, and so we're glad that you've been stationed here in San Diego and trust that the Lord will guide your steps in the future. Well, this past week, Pastor David has been on vacation, and Lord willing, he will return next week to continue on the series on Matthew chapter 10 about men on a mission and just the unique calling of the 12 disciples of Jesus. And a while ago, David had asked me if I wanted to preach, and I mentioned that I I had a message and that's been on my heart for some time, and it's it's one that uh, has been something I have wrestled and struggled with, and perhaps many of you have as well. You see, when you come to faith in Christ, it's not a life of just sitting back and do nothing. It's the beginning of an interactive relationship with the living God through Christ Jesus our Lord. And the Bible provides really many actions, uh, action words to exhort us after we pro- profess and believe that Christ, that God sent his son. And we are called to follow Christ. And that means a host of activities that include reading the Bible, attending a church, praying. The scripture tells us as children of God, we are to walk in the spirit, to abide in him. We are to pray without ceasing. We are to give thanks. We are to live sacrificially. We are to walk humbly. We are to submit. We are to guard our hearts. We're to flee immorality, pursue peace, keep seeking the things above. And the list goes on. But one of the hardest and most difficult challenges of the Christian life is is waiting. Waiting and trusting the Lord God. See, in this world of fast communication, from instant messaging to Twitter to uh, texting, Skype, email, Facebook, news updates, fast food, just Google for your answers. You know, just we want that answer right, right away. And we live in an age where our expectations of immediate answers and immediate gratification just continues to feed our appetite of wanting everything now. I remember several months ago, one young man here said that he was interested in a gal, and, and, but he'll be out of, out, of the, out of the area. And he asked, he asked me for counsel, what, what should I do to foster this relationship? And I said, you know, it'd be good if you wrote letters. And he looked at me, writing letters? <laughs> When I can just Skype and I can text and, and I just realize, okay, another generation. <laughs> but we, we just live in this world that we want things instantly and we want to communicate instantly. And, and those are good things in some ways. But have you ever seen a situation um, or been involved in one where a child yells, I want it now? You know that. <laughs> And, you know, as we grow older, most of us don't yell that, I I want it now. What we do is that, uh, Lord, please give me patience now. I want it now. We don't, we we may not 
use those words, but certainly we call out and say, I can't wait. I want, I want it now. Yet, you know, all of us are in various stages of waiting. You know, for some of you who are younger, you're waiting to get your driver's license or you're waiting to graduate. You're waiting for a good job offer or you're waiting to find the right marriage partner or you're waiting to get married or you're waiting for a child or you're waiting for your children to turn to God or you're waiting for the Lord to return or you're waiting that he would just take me home. Over the years, I have seen men and women no longer follow Christ because they did not get their way. God let me down. I'm tired of waiting for God to answer my prayers. Or, if this is what it means to follow Christ, I have no part. Of course, many of us will not openly declare these statements, but the subsequent actions reflect a life of unbelief or departure from following Christ. Many years ago, as a, as a new believer, I went to see this movie called Chariots of Fire. And it was a story about this Olympic athlete from Scotland named Eric Little. And, and just his dedication to follow Christ in all things. In the movie, he quotes Isaiah 43, I mean 40, 31. Yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. At that time, I didn't understand what this passage meant. But as I've been walking with Christ over the many years, I realized that the Christian life is like running a marathon. It's long. It's grueling. It's filled with highs and lows. Many of you, as I look across, you go, yeah, it is. It's not easy. And sometimes, as I've seen people run this race, they began, but they later quit. I see ones who've expressed, I want to follow Christ, and then later they say, no, I have nothing to do with it. I don't want to be a part of this. Uh, And so they grow disheartened due to life circumstances. I was told as a young believer that it's not how you begin, but how you finish that really matters. And waiting upon the Lord to answer or intercede is wearisome. And this topic of waiting, we just have trouble enough waiting in line at a grocery store (laughs) or waiting in traffic. So how are we going to wait upon the Lord? What does that mean? Well, this morning, we're going to ask, ask and answer five questions about what it means to wait upon the Lord, our God, so that we might grow in our trust of him. What does it mean? What does it mean to wait upon the Lord? You know, that word wait is often used throughout the scriptures. There's 49 occurrences there. And that word means to to look for with eager anticipation, eager expectation. It can be used for good or evil purposes. It is used for the wicked who who attempt to destroy the life of the righteous. They lie in wait eagerly to take over that person. However, it's mostly used in a good context. The person waiting believes God's promises, that God will, will fulfill his promises, and he trusts God's grace and power. 
Waiting is a great, it's a great expression of faith. It means enduring patiently in confident hope that God will decisively act for the salvation of his people. Waiting involves the very essence of a person's being, his soul. You find that in, we read in Psalm 130, verse 5 there. Though, through waiting, you know, one's faith is strengthened through his testings and his character is further developed as a result. According to the International Standard Bible Encyclopedia, waiting is defined as, quote, the attitude of a soul Godward implies the listening ear, a heart responsive to the wooing of God, a concentration of the spiritual faculties upon heavenly things, the patience of faith. It describes an eager anticipation and yearning for the revelation of truth and love as it is in the Father. You know, basically, waiting is really a component of entrustment, of trusting God. It's trusting upon a mighty God to know and act accordingly to what is best. In other words, can I trust God? Can I trust God by waiting for him for all things, whatever it may be? Why should we learn? Why should we learn to wait upon the Lord? You know, Bernie read this morning in Psalm 130, and if you have your Bibles open to that, Psalm 130, once again. There in verse 5 and 6, it says, I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And in his word, I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchman for the morning. More than watchman for the morning. Why? Why should I wait? The psalmist is waiting to be with the Lord because you see there in verse 3 and 4, he found forgiveness. If you should mark iniquities, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with you. The psalmist recognizes that the issue of what separates man and God is sin. And the only remedy for man is for God to intercede. Verse 7 says, O Israel, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is loving kindness, and with him is abundant redemption. And he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. You know, the psalmist there is calling his people to hope and wait on the Lord because through him one finds forgiveness, his loving kindness and redemption. And so... Waiting for the Lord provides three things. It provides, number one, a proper perspective of God. Number two, it provides a proper perspective of man and sin, what separates us from God. And number three, it provides a proper perspective of our life in eternity. You see, when we understand that all of life is a gift from God, we learn that his, perf- his timing is perfect, even when we don't know All the answers. One of the facts we have to learn is this. God's answers, God sometimes delays. It it never destroys his purposes. And a delay is not a denial. And you know that as many of you as parents, you know that. That when you tell your child to know, to discern the difference between no and not yet. And so must we as as children of God. Many times we think God is saying no, but he's really saying not yet. God is not slow in his promises. Jonathan Edwards, one of the greatest thinkers this nation has ever produced, once wrote that 
if our lives is not a journey towards heaven, then it, it will be a journey towards hell. So we ought to spend our lives laboring to be much acquainted with heaven. He writes, unless you are familiar in your mind with a better good, it will be exceedingly difficult for you to have your hearts loose from these things and to use them only in subordination to something else and be ready to part with them for the sake of that better good. In other words, waiting is the means God uses to see beyond our current set of circumstances by having eternity in view. Let me give you a couple of examples of that. You remember the life of Joseph. Joseph found there in the book of Genesis. And in, Joseph, in, in Genesis 37, you see Joseph had his dream. And, and, and thinking that he's going to be prominent. And yet the Lord humbles him because he's sold to slavery by his brothers. He's falsely accused by his master's wife. If you follow the trail from Genesis 37 on. He's forgotten when he prophesies rightly and delivers two men as he's waiting in prison. You know, but God intercedes in time. And he looks back at his life. And he's able to look back even as he sees his brothers who, who did him wrong. He states there in Genesis, Genesis 50, verse 20 to 21. As for you, you evil brothers, meaning, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear. I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. You know, he could see, Joseph could see God's sovereign hand over all these things. He could have turned around and just destroyed them. But he saw God's sovereign hand. I think of Moses. It says in Hebrews, book of Hebrews 11, it says that Moses considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. You see, he was able to endure even difficult circumstances because he saw something far beyond his current set of circumstances. I think of Christ, and, and Peter recalls it very well in 1 Peter 2. He says, For to this you have been called, that's those who are believers facing persecution, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you may follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting. There's that idea of waiting. He's entrusting himself to him who judges justly. You know, waiting is believing that God is in control of all events, good or bad, great or small. God is in control. And that is why here at Foothill Bible Church, we place a heavy emphasis on the Bible of teaching doctrine, about the, teaching the attributes of God. Because the more we understand, the more we understand of who God is, the God that we worship, the God that we sing about, the more we fortify ourselves 
with who he is so that when you face trials, not if you face trials, when, because all of you will face trials, all of you will suffer to some degree. When you face those, your confidence on the Lord will grow and not waver in unbelief. That is why we place such an emphasis on going to the scriptures and understanding the nature of God, of who he is. God is worthy to not only be praised, but to be trusted. So what's in the future? What's in the future for those who wait? Good question. It is imperative to have an eternal mindset, especially in the midst of waiting. And waiting, get this, waiting biblically is often tied to suffering. You know, many of the Puritan writers, and I I greatly appreciate the Puritans, they were ones who faced persecution both in Europe and in in the New England states early on. But many of the Puritan writers had a proper perspective on waiting. One writer noted, quote, Let your hardships move you to walk by faith and wean you from the world. Strive for grace to allow afflictions to elevate your soul to heaven and pave your way to glory. Remember, life is short. Eternity is forever. Another said, you are merely a renter here in this world. If you are a believer, a mansion awaits you in glory. Do not despair. Consider how he perseveres, how Christ perseveres for you, how he prays for you, how he helps you towards the goal he has for you. In the, in the end, your afflictions will glorify him. Remember that he that rides to be crowned need not think much of a rainy day. In other words, as we are going on our way to be crowned from the king of kings and cast our crowns, these rainy days, these momentary light afflictions, that's all they are. They're momentary. Let me provide a couple examples of this. Jeremiah. You're familiar with the weeping prophet Jeremiah. He warned about the calamity that was occurring to Judah and the city of Jerusalem. You know, instead of dwelling securely in the land, the nation of Judah had gone into exile. And the Babylonian captivity here, they, they put the people under bondage for 70 years and forced most of the people to leave their home and live in a strange country as slaves. If you turn your Bible to Lamentations 3, where Jeremiah writes, in the midst of dire circumstances, you're familiar with part of this passage in, Jer- uh, in Lamentations 3.19-26. Jeremiah writes, I remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good 
that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. This is a man who sees his nation reject God and fall apart before him. I think of Isaiah. Isaiah the prophet who warned a hundred years before and foresaw the desolation of his people and nation. He did not waver in his exhorting people to turn to God by waiting upon the Lord. Why could Isaiah say that? Why could he say that? Because Isaiah saw that people are like grass and nations are like a drop in the bucket or dust in the scales when comparing to who God is. You see there in Isaiah 40, and I read a little of that earlier, but Isaiah 40, verse 28 to 31, do you not know? Have you not heard the everlasting God, the the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired? His understanding is unscrutable. He gives strength to the weary. And to him who lacks might, he increases power. Though youths grow weary and tired, and vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. The ESV translates it as, says renew. They will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. Now here in Isaiah 40, the word gain or renew actually means exchange. Those who wait for the Lord shall exchange their strength. They shall exchange their their strength for his. Our strength is limited, whereas God's strength is unlimited. When we wait upon the Lord, we are able to move in his power. I asked earlier, so what's in the future for those who wait? The The writer to the Hebrews says, salvation is what awaits for us. Hebrews 9 there, and you... It says in verse 28, So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. That's what awaits us for those who wait. Salvation. Peter reminds us, I think of 1 Peter 3, 14, Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these Be diligent to be found in him without spot or blemish and at peace and count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as your beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him. Peter later writes that count the patience of our Lord as salvation. So as we wait upon the Lord, that's what awaits us, salvation. Jude reminds us that waiting upon the Lord is eternal life. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. You know, we know that even creation waits. We know that in Romans 8, that creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God and for the redemption of our bodies as as adopted sons. You know, there's numerous other benefits for waiting in the Lord, and I have a whole list. Those who wait are heard. 
Psalm 40, verse 1. Those who wait are blessed. Isaiah 30, verse 18. You don't need to write these down. You can ask for me later sometime. Those who wait are freed from shame. Those who wait receive courage. Those who wait are strengthened. Those who wait receive God's promises. Those who wait receive deliverance from bitter fruit of self-effort. Those who wait are vindicated. Those who wait receive God's favor. Those who wait receive God's support. Well, what are the dangers? What are the dangers or pitfalls of not waiting upon God? You know, I, there are at least three. There are at least three dangers in not waiting upon the Lord. Number one is anxiety. I think of, uh, you remember the story of Mary and Martha found in, in Luke chapter 10, verse 38 to 42. It describes the scene of two sisters. And Jesus addresses Martha, who was busy with serving Jesus, by telling that her lack of waiting resulted in being distracted with, many, with much serving and being anxious and troubled about many things. You see, it's easy for many of us to be busy with activities, even serving God and not waiting. Many of us have experienced much anxiety, especially as it relates to serving God or serving others. We, come, we become impatient. We become frustrated. We become tired. And even cry out to Jesus like Martha did. Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. We become too busy that we forget to spend time communing with the Lord. I think of waiting just does not mean inactivity, not doing anything, but it means just learning to walk and abide with Christ. Be still and know that he is God. I think of another example of is Abram dealing with, you know, the promise that he was going, a son was going to be born through him and Sarah. But he was, he was anxious. That anxiety was there. And it's an example of not waiting upon God. So Sarah and Abraham become anxious about God's promise for a son that in desperate haste, and you know the story of Hagar and then the birth of Ishmael. But you know, praise God that even when we stumble in our anxiety, that wasn't the end of the story for Abraham. Because we know that in Hebrews 6.15 that God used Abraham as he learned to wait. It says that, and thus Abraham having patiently waited, obtained the promise. He learned later to wait upon the Lord. I recognize that we could do an in-depth study on just how much to wait. How much do you wait versus doing something? But I'm not going to go there this morning. Um, but just to say that the lack of waiting upon the Lord can lead to anxiety. What's another danger of not waiting upon the Lord? Second arena is anger. Anger. Psalm 37, if you turn your Bibles there to Psalm 37, it says there in verse 7, Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself. That means don't grow anxious here. Over the one who prospers in his way, 
over the man who carries out evil devices. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourselves. It tends only to evil. For the evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. You know, the psalmist's answer to the problem of wickedness and prosperity of the wicked of wicked men is knowing that the, the wicked will be brought down and the godly will be built up by God in his time. And that is critical. We, as followers of Christ, must take the long view of God's time in view of eternity, and not just for the immediate answer now. The psalmist later continues on in verse 34. It says, wait for the Lord and keep his way, and he will exalt you to inherit the land. You will look on when the wicked are cut off. And he goes on and continues to describe of the wicked. They will be no more. And we need to remind ourselves of the very same thing. Because sometimes you see evil growing leaps and bounds here. Even people maybe near to you and you find, oh, I can't stand this anymore. Wait, God will take care of all these matters. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. You know, a couple of other examples of anger manifesting itself for those who don't wait in the Lord. We think of Moses. You know the story there. As Moses is leading the people out of the wilderness, the people are just whining, complaining, and it's just getting to him. They want water. And, and in Numbers 20, Moses strikes the rock twice. What was he supposed to do? He was supposed to just speak, and the water would come out. But he just grew angry, not waiting and trusting God. And so often it is with us. We can get easily angered because it's not going the way we want it. We don't wait. I think of James and John, uh, the sons of thunder. It's found there in Luke chapter 9, verse 51 and following. You know the story. When the days drew near for Jesus to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem, and he sent messengers ahead of him who went and entered the village of the Samaritans to make preparations for him. But the people did not receive him because his face was set towards Jerusalem. And when this disciples James and John saw it, they said, Lord, do you want us to tell fire to come down from heaven and consume them? They just want, hey, let's deal with it, God. No, that's not how we deal with it. We are to wait upon the Lord. I mentioned anxiety, anger. What's, what's even worse is abandonment. Abandonment. Abandonment means unbelief. Our world is filled with people who have abandoned the thought of waiting upon God. And they rush headlong into decisions that have moral, physical, social, financial, spiritual, and eternal consequences. It shows up in debt. It shows up in the destruction of families, the division in the church, divorce, degradation of women, death of countless men, and the list goes on. Abandonment. It's very sobering. I think of Judas. His lack of waiting, his greed and unbelief led him to abandon and betray the Son of God. I think of Demas. I think of the children of Israel. We can look at these examples. Israel's lack of waiting meant failure to make it to the promised land. How do they lack waiting? How do they not wait and trust? They, they whine. They complain. 
They disobeyed God's command. And the writer of Hebrews tells us that they were not able to enter because of unbelief. Okay. Those are the dangers. Well, how do we learn to wait? How do we learn to wait upon the Lord? And my time is moving fast, and I need to cover quite a bit here. The first thing to do, how do we wait upon the Lord, is to ponder his word. Now, I recognize that word ponder is not a common word we use. It means to, to consider, to meditate, to think deeply. And that requires reading and listening to God's word to understand what it means to wait continually, to wait silently, to wait patiently, to wait eagerly. You know, as you study God's attributes and his faithfulness, you will see as you ponder his word that God is, is faithful. I encourage, and I'm a big advocate of reading biographies, biographies of men and women from, from the past who pondered upon the word of God. And, and I think of biographies in history uh, of the church is just the application of pondering God's word. It's not so much about how great these men were, but it's about how great God is who intercedes for these people as they face difficult and horrendous circumstances. He kept them. God kept them. And he will keep you. And those are good reminders as you ponder upon his word. You read about men and women who live by faith. I think of singing. As we sing together, we sing hymns and praises. There are ways to ponder upon and there are artistic ways to ponder upon God's word. Rich spiritual songs are part of God's means over the ages to just, again, to meditate upon God's word. Hallelujah, what a savior. Hallelujah, what a friend. Saving, helping, keeping, loving. He is with me to the end. As you ponder upon the scriptures, as you sing, you need that reminder. Second, to pray. You ponder upon his word, but you pray. We read there in Psalm 30, verse 1, it says, Out of the depths I've cried to you, O Lord. I wait for the Lord. Verse 5, My soul does wait, and in his word do I hope. In crying out to God, I think of Psalm 62, and I won't go into that, but as you, as, as Mike read that in Psalm 62, Pour out your heart before him. That's what you do when you pray to God. You know, prayer is not aligning what you want from God, but it's aligning yourself to what God wants for you. So as you ponder in waiting, ponder upon his word, as you pray by pouring out your heart. I think of the example of Hannah in 1 Samuel or or Daniel in chapter 6 there. They go and pray, and beseech God, God, help me to wait upon you. Well, I mentioned to ponder, to pray, and third, to participate. Participate in community in community by promoting the gospel. And that means being involved here in the local church. You know, we are forgetful creatures, and we know, all need encouragement, as Gail just shared, just needing that mutual love and encouragement. We all need that. I need that because I forget. And I sometimes find it hard to wait. And I need brothers and sisters to encourage men from you as you testify of God working in your lives or even just praying. I think of the Apostle Paul. He needed that participation from others. And 
again, I think of 2 Corinthians 1, is as Paul was facing much persecution, he says in verse 11, you also must help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. Paul was dependent upon prayers of others. And, and we live in community. And my, my encouragement, how do you learn to wait? We need each other to, to wait because we do forget. Um, I just remember a situation as I was a, a young believer and uh, I we just got married. No, I shouldn't say a young believer. I was, I was a young married man and, and I was out with uh, going door to door with this older gentleman and he, he was a, a missionary to Argentina and he, he just reminded me of Hebrews 12. We were facing some, some difficult trials in helping a church revive. And he, he quoted to me Hebrews 12, 3 and 4, that consider him who endured from, such, from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And that brother who's now with the Lord encouraged me to just as I participate in communion by preaching the gospel, he was preaching the gospel to me. We haven't suffered. Brother, let's, let's continue on. That left such a tremendous impression upon me. Well, brothers and sisters, I say all this because life is hard. It's filled with disappointments, trials, fears, uncertainties, pains, conflicts, suffering, death. Why? You know why God allows these things to happen? Because they serve as reminders that this is not our home. And that sin is present with us. But God, but God is rich in his mercy because of his great love towards us. What did he do when we were dead in our trespasses and sin? He made us alive together in Christ by grace we have been saved. And I say that because waiting ultimately involves trusting upon the character of God. Is God trustworthy? Are his promises sure? Can I depend upon him for all things, including my wants, my wishes, my dreams, my aspirations? Remember, God is not a genie who, who answers to your whims and, and wishes. He's the almighty God who desires what is best for his children all the time and for all eternity. No good thing does he withhold to those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. That's Psalm 84, 11 and 12. Brothers and sisters, I know that waiting is extremely difficult because many times we do not receive the answers from God the way we want it. Or we want it now and we don't get it. But may God help us to look upon the Lord Jesus Christ knowing that the Lord is not slow in his promises as some count slowness, but he is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. You know, our society, our society and our nation appears on a downhill trend similar to what Isaiah and Jeremiah observed it's not looking bright and i don't mean to say that i'm not a prophet or a son of a prophet 
but you can tell that things are not going well. And I am concerned for not only for our generation, but the one coming behind us. How are we going to teach them to wait upon the Lord? Even when trials do come, and they will come, what will we do? I mentioned about Eric Little, who suffered and died from brain cancer, the one who won the Olympic gold medal. He went on to be a missionary to China. And he suffered and died in the Japanese concentration camp right near the end of World War II. He remained there to minister the gospel while his wife and and daughters escaped to Canada. But while serving there, he wrote a little pamphlet on discipleship, including the topic of surrender, of waiting. He writes, Surrender means that we are prepared to follow God's guidance wherever or however he guides, no matter what the cost. A few days before his passing, he requested the following song, the song that we're going to close in our worship service, Be Still My Soul. The lyrics there says, Be still my soul. The Lord is on thy side. Bear patiently the cross of grief or pain. Leave to thy God in order to and provide in every change he faithful will remain. Be still my soul, thy best, thy heavenly friend, through thorny ways leads to a joyful end. Be still my soul, the hour is hastening on when we shall be forever with the Lord. When disappointment, grief and fear are gone, sorrow forgot, love's purest joys restored. Be still my soul, when change and tears are past, all safe and blessed, we shall meet him at last. Even a godly man like Eric Little, he needed that encouragement from others, a reminder. And we too need those reminders as we look at the days ahead with eager anticipation because the Lord will one day come and take us home. But in the meantime, let's continue to strive in waiting on the Lord. Let me close here in a word of prayer. Our mighty God, our Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have not left us alone in our waiting for your answers to our prayers or at the return of of your Son. You have given us your Holy Spirit to comfort guide and intercede for us when we grow weary and faint. You have given us your word to guide us into your truth, a lamp to our feet and a light upon our path. You are building your church, and we just thank you through this fellowship and encouragement with fellow saints that we can continue to encourage one another. You have given us your peace, which surpasses our understanding that guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Father, you have given us a rich heritage of dear brothers and sisters who have gone before us, who have testified that the momentary light affliction are producing an eternal weight of glory beyond comparison. Oh, Father, we want to wait upon you and believe. But help us, Lord, help us in our unbelief. Help us in the days ahead when we are tested. Help us to endure and wait upon the Lord. Father, we do ask for your help, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.